Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What up, Fightful fam? Player one, Shaquille Madjuri. Player two, Aaron the Brain Bronstetter. Back again from TSN, squeezing me in on a very busy week ahead of UFC 257. How's it going, dude? I'm good, man. Hey, thank you for having me on. Happy to be player two to your player one. Yes. If I beat you, though, do I get to change sides? or? This is not between the links. <laughs> this, is, this is my oh, show. I, I got confused. You're not, we're not on between the links right now? <laughs> I was waiting to see who I was. Okay. Shout out to Mike Hack. Shout out to MMA Fighting. Um, all right, guys. Before we get into the meat of this, this is one-two punch. If you're a fan of the show, you know how we roll. If it's your first time, it's news talk, but on a win-lose-draw system. What that means is we're going to sign the week's biggest winners, the week's biggest losers, before drawing up a little preview for UFC 257. I'll hit this animated intro. <laughs> Snazzy, snazzy stuff. And there we go. Aaron, first things first. You can't really see it on the stream as much because of uh, the way this layout is, but you've been grilling me about my backdrop. It's a work in progress, but what do you think about the swords as an addition to the collection? It's a little bit busy. I mean, I would, you got to keep it simple, although I, my backdrop's pretty busy as well, but you got to keep it simple. I like the swords, though. I'll, I'll give it to you. I okay. like the swords. Well. Well, we'll yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll show the, you the final product. Are the swords product. as valuable as the one in Dana White's office? Or are they from <laughs> legitimate so. samurais? One, one of them is, but the one that is is actually off camera because it's too heavy to fit on the rack. Um, All right. Aaron, there are two people's approvals in this world that I can never quite live up to. My father's and yours, but I'm going to get there. I'm confident about it. Wow. Me and Mr. Majuri set a high bar. <laughs> yes, you really do. Okay, guys, uh, before we get started, quick reminder, if you could please hit subscribe, tap that notification bell, leave a like on this video. All those things go a tremendous way to helping us do what we do over at Fightful MMA. And if you're feeling extra generous, a little super chat donation really warms the heart on a cold day in Vancouver. That's enough of me shilling, Aaron. Let's get to it. Normally, normally we start this with the winners, but I think I'm going to flip the format a little bit because there is a big loser that just came out in the last few hours. Uh, Otman as a tear officially canned from the UFC uh, after he was allegedly caught sneaking in people from outside the Fight Island bubble into Fight Island. Uh, what do you make of that situation? 
Oh, you buried the lead. They were also scaling the building with a mysterious bag to give him, I, I uh, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, so Otman Azaitar, unfortunately, no longer with the UFC. Good fighter, too, undefeated. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I guess you can't be cutting your wristbands off, bringing out in outside people, and then when security tries to have a word with them, they refuse to comply and leave. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I guess that uh, that marks the end of a very short uh, UFC tenure for Atman Azitar, Azitar. I believe he only had two fights in the UFC. But uh, yeah, that, certainly not a good uh, not a good day for Mr. Azitar today. So, like, what, what do you think is the mindset here? Because listen, I've I've seen I've done this kind of stuff at resorts, you know, at all inclusives. I've seen it done at music festivals, but to he must have known how big of a risk he was taking. Or do you think it was just completely over his head? Like, really, when you uh, assess the risk-reward here, what would compel you to do such a thing? You know, I don't really know, and I don't know how involved he was. I don't have a ton of details on it other than what we've heard so far today. Uh, And, I mean, he was in the middle of cutting weight, and it did not look like a fun weight cut based on his Instagram story, which has since been taken down. He was uh, cutting weight and did not look good. Mm -hmm. But, uh I don't know how, when this whole thing transpired, because if he was in the midst of cutting weight, that means that like it must have been something that happened very, very close to weigh-in time mm-hmm. uh, in order for him to actually get removed from the card and subsequently the promotion itself. People don't realize how big the Azaitar brothers are in Morocco. Like I believe Ahmed Azaitar has nearly a million followers on Instagram. Like wow. these guys are a pretty big deal in Morocco, um, and they're very well connected with. Uh, the um the heads of government there i think there might i don't know if it's a monarchy system there but they're they're pretty well connected with like the the heads of government in morocco and are are very very famous there uh so this actually is a a pretty significant hit to the african market for uh the ufc because morocco i believe is a place that they're trying to really uh, make inroads into and losing otman azaitar is, is probably not great for uh for just just how much they would want to satiate that market because of how big those guys are there but uh, yeah, obviously consequences for actions and whatnot. But uh, be that as it may, no longer on the card. Thankfully, they were able to salvage uh, both his opponent and the opponent of Nazrat Hakparas and get them a fight. Yes. Uh, so you know, Matt Travola had a terrible year in 2020. He had three different fights scheduled, all of which got canceled for a, an array of reasons. So for him to travel all the way to Abu Dhabi and then potentially not get a fight, that probably would have been devastating for him because there's really no substitute for in-cage time. And uh, now that he gets to face Sarukian, plus get 20% of Sarukian's purse because Sarukian is weight, <laughs> you know, not, not too shabby for Matt Travola. Yeah, sort of an unexpected bonus there. Uh, and yeah. last, last thing on this, uh, we know that uh, Dana White, as of late, has been... Uh, What's the right word here before I get some sort of uh, media pass invoked? Um, he's He has not been too happy with the way the U- uh, MMA media sort of depicted him throughout the length of this pandemic. I will say, credit where credit is due, I think uh, Dana White responded perfectly to this situation with Ottman. Uh, do you think the punishment kind of fit the crime here was it too much firing him what would you have done if you were in dana white's shoes yeah i think that the punishment probably fits the crime because we're talking about health and safety here Mm -hmm. you know like the the reason why they've created such a secure bubble and they've made sure that everybody that's coming in is vetted and has has had their tests and everything is so that people from the outside can't get in that's why it's called the bubble right once you're in the bubble you're in the bubble and nobody else is getting in so to to breach that i think is a pretty significant deal like that's a pretty big deal all things considered uh, so I think 
you know, I think that's probably the uh, the right thing to do based on what we what we understand of the circumstances. Yes, I think that's fair. Uh, let's move on. I want to do a little reflection back to UFC Fight Island Seven. Calvin Cater, uh, man, kind of got the Brian Ortega treatment in the main event fight against Max Holloway. And I want to give a lot of credit to Calvin Cater, not just on his durability and his and his uh, ability to sort of come back from a terribly difficult round for as well as he did under the circumstances. But uh, he mentioned, I think in interviews, either him or his uh, coach Tyson Chartier, that, you know, I'm not in this to be tough. And it's the sort of, when we have fights like this, we give so much credit to the guy for being tough, for being durable, for having heart. But I like where Calvin Cater's mindset is at in the sense of, he doesn't want to be known for being a tough guy. He wants to be known for being the best fighter in the world at 145 pounds. Where do you think Cater goes from here? Because it was obviously a rough week for him in terms of the fight itself. But have we sort of seen the best of Calvin, or do you expect him to bounce back in a strong way? Well, for starters, I hope he takes some time off. I mean, I think that uh, he fought what two or three times last year. And he's really made a, a name for himself for being a top guy at featherweight. And I mean, just because you lose to Max Holloway doesn't mean you're not a top guy at featherweight. Max Holloway, I think on any any 145er on the planet would have probably had the same thing happen to them. Max was just in the zone. He was he was in flow. And uh, I mean, the, the two my, my two favorite stats are that he had more significant strikes than any two fighters have combined for in UFC history in a single fight, which is pretty unbelievable. And uh, the stat that I dug up, which was that he has land, he strikes in that fight than either Zhang Veili or Davis and Figueredo, the two champions of the lightest weight classes in the UFC, which means lower finishing rates, have uh, landed in their entire careers. So, I mean, th- that just goes to show that kind of, that kind of output. And, uh, you know, where Calvin goes from here, there's just, I think there's a lot of really good fights for him regardless at 145. He probably is going to have to work his way back up. And hopefully this fight doesn't take as much of a toll on him as it possibly could, you know, as, as people might think that it will. Uh, you, know, land, you know, a lot of fighters don't absorb that many strikes in their entire career that he didn't over the course of those five rounds. Yes. And that's something that's, you know, really important to consider. Uh, and I think you, you're talking about like champions. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. sure there are certain champions that have not taken that much uh, that, uh, you know, had that much. And I'm talking retired champions even yeah. that have had that many strikes landed on them in, in their career. So uh, hopefully he fights another day. And uh, I mean, Calvin Cater said, you can't stop the guy that doesn't quit. And I think that's a good way of putting it. That's just seems to be his attitude. And, like you said, being being considered tough, I'm sure that's a, a nice badge of honor, but that's not why they, they play this game. They don't want to play this division trophy. They want they want to be the champion, and I, I think that Calvin Cater will continue to make that his laser focus. See, this is why I call you the brain. Aaron digging up facts the way my damn dog digs up the backyard. Um, and you did cut out for a little bit, so just in case they want to miss it, I want to double check here. You were saying that in that one fight, Max Holloway landed more significant strikes than Wei Li Zhang and Davison Figueredo have landed in their entire MMA yeah. careers or UFC careers? UFC careers, individually UFC in their UFC individual. careers. And I mean, I, I, I sent that out and people are like, why are you slagging Zhang and uh, oh, Figueredo? I said, and I said, well, I said, well, Figueredo, I, I mean, it's, if anything, it's a, it's a testament to A, how fast Wei Li became the champion, yeah. and B, how much finishing power Davison Figueredo has for such a small frame. So, yeah. you it's, know. Uh, it's the, the double-edged cool sword stat. of this living is interacting with certain fans on Twitter. <laughs> No, no, but if that, that was their opinion that I had diminished those two, that certainly isn't my intent, and I understand where they're coming from, but yeah. I figured I'd give them an explanation. All right, fair enough. I appreciate your cordial behavior on social media. Aaron, <laughs> uh, are there any losers you want to highlight before we start shifting this conversation to the winners? 
Um, well, I thought that Munir Lazez uh, kind of laid an egg on Wednesday's mm-hmm. card. He was in the co-main event. This is somebody that one of Dana White's son's friends had had discovered, oh. I believe, and showed. Yeah, they showed Dana White a video of this guy and said, "You should sign this guy. Give him a shot in the UFC." He was doing good things on the regional circuit in, in the U, uh, UAE and in, in Arabia, pretty much. And uh, is Arabia a, a thing you can say Middle East? I don't know. A lot of I know. Uh, I was UFC I was born Arabia, in Montreal, UFC Quebec, Arabia. Canada. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm just I, I I don't hear the word Arabia mentioned outside of like Disney movies and, and uh, well, cinema. UFC Arabia but is the YouTube UFC channel now. Shout out to Farah yeah, So in, in the Middle East, basically, like yeah. he's he's putting a lot of good work in the Middle East for um I believe for UAE Warriors and uh, and I think it was Brave as well. But uh, so so basically they signed him. He had a great performance in his first fight against Abdul Razak Al Hostin, and um, I think then. You know, big expectations. He was a big favorite against Morley Alves and just got obliterated. So I'd say that he uh, he did not have a very good week. Um, we got someone asking about uh, the fight start times. Main card, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Do you know when the prelims start? I believe it's uh, it's probably at 7, a, uh, 7 p.m. rather because of yeah. uh, one of the fights being taken off. ET My guess 4 p.m. Pacific. PM. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Let's move on to the winners. Before we do, guys, quick reminder, subscribe, notification bell, like button. Go check out UFC fighters uh, and abroad reacting to Conor McGregor's trash talk. That video is doing decent numbers for us. Of course, our Street Beefs reaction videos are killing it as well. So thank you guys for keeping the channel going. Um Winner, winner, chicken dinner. There's so many to talk about. And I think the entire UFC 257 main card and all the fighters top to bottom who are still competing, uh, it's a big win for them, an enormous card. We're going to get to that in the preview section. But let's start with probably the biggest winner of the last six-ish days, Max Holloway. It's incredible. It's incredible what a guy can do because here you have Max coming off of two very close fights against Alex Volkanovsky, but as far as the official records are concerned, he came up short in both occasions. And then he goes out and puts on the sort of beating on Calvin Cater that has you thinking, maybe he is better than the champ. Can you think of another time where a guy has lost twice to the reigning champion and could possibly come in as a small favorite? Uh, no, not really. I mean, maybe... Gray Maynard, although he he only lost he lost twice to Frankie, but only one was in a championship mm-hmm. fight. Um, I don't know. I mean, I BJ Penn. No, BJ Penn after he lost to Frankie didn't do much. I don't know. I don't think so. It's I, rare. Honestly, I don't think so. Do you think so? Dana I mean, how many White... people have lost? How many people have lost twice to a champion in general? Right, exactly. like you don't have a huge sample size. Yeah. Um, Dana White was pretty adamant about making that rematch should. Uh, Volkanovsky dispatch of Brian Ortega. Uh, that card set for f- early March, March twenty sixth. Yes, March twenty sixth. Um, I had been saying going into UFC Fight Island eight that the or seven, excuse me, that the best case scenario for Max Holloway is for Brian Ortega to win the title because Volkanovsky doesn't have uh, enough of a title run to warrant an immediate rematch. And you have Max Holloway in the wings, who's obviously a fan favorite, a fighter's favorite, and a Dana White favorite. Um, should they make this rematch, Volkanovski, Max Holloway, if all things pan out? Are you? Is that the fight you would like to see next for the title? Like, how do you feel about Max being reinserted into the title conversation so soon? Well, right now, there's nobody else standing out, right? And I think that Max, because there were so many questions about the second fight with Volkanovski, that there's an appetite for the third mm-hmm. fight. And Volkanovski, a lot, there's a misconception about Volkanovski. A lot of people are saying, oh, Volkanovski says he doesn't want to fight Max again. He's, he's kind of, you know, that, that ship has kind of sailed. That's not what he said. What he said was that 
he wants a different opponent. He wants to face uh, a new challenge. So now he's getting a new challenge. He's getting Brian Ortega. He never said that. He never closed the door on ever facing Max Holloway again. I'm sure he was very impressed with Max Holloway's performance. and would love to show that he can beat that guy that just landed 450-plus significant strikes against Calvin Cater. So I think that is the fight to make uh, regardless of the outcome of the championship fight. Yes, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, very quickly, going into the chat, uh, someone's wondering if you have any more information on Ottman's situation. I've heard what you've heard. I've heard the clip from Dana White, and that's the extent of what I know. That's the extent of it. Okay. Uh, are there any other winners you want to highlight? We can go kind of back and forth on these ones. Um, any other winners that I would like to highlight? It's uh, I mean, Warley Alves. Week. Warley Alves. Yeah. Warley Alvarez, what a tremendous call out. So when he calls out Nate Diaz at UFC Fight Island 8, you're like, whatever, whatever. I just want to pull up this headline that um, someone over at Fightful wrote. Shout out to our great writer, Colby. Quote, marijuana guy Nate Diaz is a bad example, says Warley Alvarez. <laughs> um, I had no appetite for this fight until it turned into a, uh, like, a, a dare. He stole, he stole like, that from Habib. Habib was talking about Nate. He goes, he's married one a guy. That, that was a Nate. That was a Habib line. Yes, but it's been uh, it's been been bogarted here. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. L- listen, I'm all for putting Nate Diaz in fights against uh, people who are anti anti substance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's like the the dare program taking on uh, Nate Diaz. But, exactly. Uh, yeah, but so tell uh, yeah, me about Alves. Yeah, tell me about Alves and uh, well, why I mean, he's a big just, winner to you. He, because he was such a big underdog against Lozes, and everybody was kind of touting Lozes as this as this next big thing. And people kind of forgot about how vicious Warley Alves mm-hmm. is, and he just reminded everybody about you know how how he is one of the more aggressive fighters in the UFC and, and what he can do, what he is capable of doing. And to do that as a two to one underdog, I think in a in a co main event spot was uh, certainly good. And uh, another winner I'd like to highlight is Michael Chiesa. Course, I mean, that course. was supposed to be a very close fight, and it wasn't. <laughs> it was not a close fight. Michael Chiesa won that basically from start to finish. Um, uh, so what kudos to him. Think, I think that. What, oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. There. No, go ahead. I was go just ahead. gonna say, what do you think Chiesa's upper potential is here? Because for me, in some ways, that fight kind of left more questions than answers. I think it's badass that he calls out Colby Covington and says, I'm calling him out because I think he's the hardest matchup for me. And looking at the people ranked against Kiesa, I kind of agree because Colby's got way higher striking output, way more confident in his hands and feet, and is in theory just as much, if not a bigger, offensive wrestling threat. Um, Kiesa's style... Do you think it can succeed at the absolute highest level of this division? Well, let's do a little bit of matchmaking, I think, okay. at welterweight. This is the way that I would like to see things play out. I would like to see, of course, Burns versus Usman's book. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the winner of Edwards and Shemaev get the next title shot. I know that it might be a little bit fast for Shemaev, but I'd like to see the, the winner of that fight get the next title yeah, shot. I think that's fair. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to see... Uh, sorry, I'd like to see Kiesa face Demian Maia next. I'd like for Demian Maia's... Uh, retirement fight i'd like to see kiesa face maya and the reason for that is because i think that 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 way we can really see what kiesa has on the feet mm-hmm. like i think that's the big question mark about about kiesa because i don't think kiesa is going to be taking demian maya down i don't think that would be a, a great strategy although maya off his back isn't necessarily the most dangerous but he's, he's really dangerous in terms of scrambles yeah. uh and i'd like to see colby versus masvidal i think that that's a fight that's been um, oh, for sure getting cooked up for some time so sure. uh and, and maybe the winner of masvidal this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Like if Colby ends up beating Masvidal or vice versa in, in definitive fashion, maybe that's gets the next title shot. But here's the thing. Usman has beaten Edwards. He's beaten Covington. He's beaten Masvidal, right? I would like to see a fresh challenge for him. And I'd like to see if Kiesa is up for that. I'd like to see if, if Kiesa is up for the challenge. Um, another one I like is perhaps if, if you want to um, keep Maya in the conversation, you, you do a Maya Wonderboy fight. I think that would be a really interesting yeah. one as well, just because of the, how, how cool of a stylistic matchup that would be. So there are a lot of options at 170 that I think uh, we can put together. I really like the idea of um, Kiesa Maya because, like you said, it helps answer some questions about Kiesa as well as it potentially gives Damian it gives Damian Maya a more winnable fight to retire on than perhaps some of the other threats in that division. Okay, um, let's bookend this as we move into our last 10 minutes. We're not going to go too long today, guys, just a heads up. Um, Winner if you're Dana White, I guess. Loser if you're a pirate or of uh, UFC content. This has been like the most fascinating side story. I, I listen. I love a card that has, uh, and I always say this. You know, Coach Kavanaugh might go on Twitter and and drag Zane Simon a bloody elbow through the mud for his uh, stance on what an interesting fight card is. For me, as a pro wrestling fan growing up. It's all about substance and storytelling. I don't care if you have the best fighters on the card top to bottom. If there's nothing at stake beyond winners and losers, bonus money, etc. But when you look at this main card, there's a lot of intriguing factors. Obviously, the return of Conor McGregor. A road to redemption for Dustin Poirier. Fight for charity. Like There's just so much to digest there. Michael Chandler uh, getting the red carpet rolled out for him. Unlike most other champions from other organizations that we've seen enter the UFC. Um, and there's another, a bunch of other interesting ones. Even, even honestly, Matt Favola, Armin Saryukian, just the fact that these two guys were not matched up before, it adds a little bit of spice. But my favorite, my favorite, is Dana White versus the streamers. He says in an interview, I think with BT Sport, that they've tracked down one yeah. potential <laughs> wiring pirater phones that they're yeah they're they've tapped into his phone lines they're monitoring this house i have so many questions but the first one for you aaron is 
Do you think Dana White is serious that he's gone through all of this? Well, I do because I think that he's he's picking his battle here. He's not going after the streaming industry or the IPTV industry or anything. He's found a guy. He's found a target. This was a guy that I think called Dana out on Instagram and said he was going to stream the event. And Dana White has focused all of his attention on this guy. You know, I find it weird, though. People have this really, like, unabashed... uh, propensity for bragging about streaming events like if you went into into champ sport and grabbed a pair of jordans would you go on twitter and be like i grabbed a pair of jordans from champ sports at the at the mall at this particular mall it's like but, but people are like here's a, here's a link to the stream and oh i i'm just gonna stream this event yeah oh, i'm not you're not gonna get my money i'm streaming the event you, you do realize that is stealing and that yeah. people can figure out what your name is like you're not that hidden yeah. like i mean maybe you're on a vpn and you have a, a, a rant like a, a moniker on twitter and you don't have your picture but there are very easy ways for people to figure out who you are. And it's very easy to see who is streaming events and who is sharing streams and who is, you know, which websites are there. And if they, and I know the UFC have an entire department that focuses on that. They have a, yeah. a specific segment of their department that focuses on that. If, if you're going to stream a fight, it's probably not in your best interest to try to bait Dana White into finding you. Yeah. It's, it's just not a smart move. And Dana White says like, I like having enemies and I like battles. Don't don't bait Dana White. Believe me, as somebody who's spoken to Dana White on many occasions, baiting Dana White is never a clever move. It's never smart, and it's not something you should do because he will win. <laughs> like he will get the last laugh, and he has the the money and legal team to make your life a complete living hell. Uh, that I don't know from experience, and I don't wish to know from experience. <laughs> no, that's why I, don't I say you should pick your battles with Dana White. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so, so to, this, to this very brave streamer, yeah, not a good idea. So he's saying that he's done all these things, which uh, leads me to ask if Dana White and the UFC are collecting this information, they've wiretapped this guy. Is any of that admissible in court? Because I don't know that they if they don't have a warrant, they haven't legally obtained any of this information, correct? You know, I don't know. From what I understand, a lot of these people that have been uh, caught streaming and have been given these really kind of big fines, they never really end up paying the fines. A lot of the time they have to like write a handwritten, like they have to write an apology (laughs) or they have to, but but I I can't find a lot of instances where people that are busted for streaming events, whether it's sharing a stream or or a streaming event, have actually ended up having to go through all of the, um, you know, all all of the different penalties that they are given. Like I, I mean, I'm sure there have been some instances, and I know there have been some people that have gone to jail. I think the guy who had who uh, had Mega Share or whatever, I forget what it was called, but that Kim.com guy. I think he ended up going to jail or or was or was uh, supposed to be charged with something. But uh, yeah, a lot of these people, you know, I've seen interviews with a lot of the ones that the UFC specifically have gone after. They said they never paid, but they ended up having to like apologize or whatever. But it seems Dana White is quite adamant on this one individual really paying the piper in this instance and they can make them pay they just have to they have to continue to follow through with the legal system and then they have also i mean if that person declares bankruptcy or something i think that's probably still a win for for the legal team but you know again i just don't advise people to do this i don't advise people to try to bait dana white into a into a no don't bait a a war a war of uh (laughs) any sort of war yeah, this whole thing is kind of bizarre to me. I think I think there's studies that show that most of the people who are watching streams would not pay for the content either way. Um, that there's 
possibly an upside to the additional exposure that you get from people watching your content but at all. this is the thing they're not really going after at least in these instances the people that are streaming the events they're going after the people that are that are hosting sharing the streams and making the streams and, yes. and putting the streams out there yeah which is a better target i mean it is you want to go after the, those are the people that you you have more of a leg to stand on yeah and and now that and one of the the last things that went through in the trump administration as part of the um, stimulus bill at the end had uh right you know writing in the uh legislature that said that people can now be prosecuted with a felony uh if they are caught um providing streams mm-hmm. like building streams for for events that uh that okay. w- where they're making money off of them gotcha um yeah this has been an interesting this has definitely been an interesting saga uh, but we do have to start wrapping up so i want to touch on two other things first the co-main event, Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker. This is super interesting to me, and I've got kind of two prevailing theories I'd like to get your thoughts on. Um, we've seen champions from other organizations enter the UFC, and some find a lot of success. Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, um, Marlon Moraes, some, like Will Brooks, fall a little short of expectations. And it's in the cases of Eddie and Marlon, I didn't see them really roll out the red carpet the, the way they have for Michael Chandler. I think they did a little bit with Justin Gaethje giving a headlining slot um, on a fight night against Michael Johnson. I have two theories here. I'd like to see which one you think is sort of more likely. One, that because they put him in this Habib-Justin backup role that they had to build him up in the event that he fell in short notice. The other... Have the UFC just kind of learned their lesson that these guys from other organizations can be a big deal and that by not giving them the proper buildup, you risk them potentially upsetting a potential star of your own like Dan Hooker? Yeah, I think that that's a good way of putting it, the the latter statement that you made, because I think that there's what's the harm in building Michael Chandler up and making a big deal? Honestly, if you look at Michael Chandler's resume in the last four years, it really doesn't blow anybody away. You know, you've got like win, a win over Brett Primus. Mm-hmm. You've got a win over Goichi Yamauchi. You've got a win over um, Sydney Outlaw. But, you know, we're not talking about guys that are even top 20 lightweights in the world. He lost to Patricio Pitbull in the first round, got knocked out. That's the highest level he fought. He fought, he got a nice win over Benson Henderson in his final fight in Bellator. I'm eager to see how he does against the top five caliber lightweight in the UFC in Dan Hooker. I think that he... This is going to be a really, really big test because I think Dan Hooker is going to win that fight. I don't think I that that I don't think that Michael Chandler has faced anybody the caliber of Dan Hooker or beaten anybody the caliber rather of Dan Hooker in several years. And uh, Dan Hooker has fought well against a lot of top guys. And when I asked Chandler himself, like who who do you think are the worst matchups for you of the top guys? I named all the top guys at lightweight. He said Dan Hooker probably. He said Dan Hooker is not a great matchup for me. He's long. He's rangy. Um, you know, he throws good knees for, for entering fighter fighters that are trying to get entry on him. I think that uh, I will be very impressed if Michael Chandler wins. I agree. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Uh, people who listen to this show, I, I've said this a dozen and a half times by now, but I think you can. There's a bit of a through line between these champions from other organizations when they enter the UFC. Um, I think Michael Chandler is probably going to lose on Saturday. But that's not to say he can't be UFC champion. It's only to say you saw it with Eddie Alvarez, you saw it with, uh, against Donald Cerrone, you saw it with Marlon Moraes against Rafael Asuncao, and you almost saw it with uh, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Johnson. There's a bit of a calibration period that happens when you 
enter the UFC where you might be UFC championship material, but you haven't quite faced the kind of test that Chandler is going to face against Hooker. And I think he's going to need that first tough fight and probably a loss to kind of get his bearings and understand the sort of adjustments he needs to make. Because the Justin Gaethje that fought Michael Johnson, we did not think that guy was going to be a UFC lightweight interim champion. But look at the adjustments he made once he got his footing in the UFC. And I expect Chandler to make a similar sort of transition in the long run. Hopefully. Maybe, but it depends on how much time he has, right? He's 35, 36 yes. years old. So he just doesn't have a ton of time to make those adjustments, whereas Gaethje was a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Alvarez at the time was a bit younger. You know, So that's one thing to watch is just how many 35-year-olds on the planet can hang with these guys that are at the top that's of the, the lightweight that's division, true. right? Like it, it's, And it's not a matter of just how good he is because I think that Michael Chandler five, six years ago could have hung with all these guys. But yeah. I'll catch up to you. Okay. We'll see what happens. A last thing, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, obviously our big headliner. Uh, man, there, there's a lot of interesting caveats to this fight and sort of what happens as a consequence. Okay, if Habib were to return, and I don't think he is. I think Dana White's just, uh, you know, throwing a Hail Mary here. If Habib were to return to fight anyone in the lightweight division, what outcome on Saturday night do you think would most likely coerce him into a fight? Uh, I don't think anything that happens this Saturday is going to make him want to come back. The one thing I keep saying is the one thing I think that might make him come back, and it probably wouldn't be this year. It would probably be next year. Mm-hmm. If Charles Oliveira starts blowing through people and people yeah. start saying, if Khabib takes this guy down, he would get subbed, no problem. That's when you start to have doubts. People, people start to have doubts about how good Khabib could, be, could, could do against someone like this. Because Charles Oliveira, to me, is a terrible matchup for Khabib. And I, I said this since November of 20, I think it was 2019. I tweeted it out. I said, we're never going to see this fight. But stylistically, I'd love to see Charles Oliveira against Khabib. And people kind of laughed at me. They're like, oh, what are you talking about? Now we see where Charles Oliveira is at. But uh, I, that's the matchup. <laughs> I think that's the one where people could really question, can Khabib beat this guy based on his particular skill set? And that's what it's about. It's about matchups, right? Um, now, if Conor ends up beating Poirier inside 30 seconds and calls out Khabib and say, you know, and tries to convince the world that the Conor that fought Khabib the last time mm. isn't the best Conor, maybe. I, I'm still not convinced, though. I, I think Luke Thomas made a, a, a good point on uh, thurs, Thursday's morning combat that I think if Conor's going to call out Khabib, he can do it with a bit of bravado, but he has to keep it respectful. Because I don't think Habib is interested in engaging in, in the sort of circus that was the build-up to their first fight. Um, last question for you here. I think at the surface, it's very easy to say that uh, Conor McGregor has more to lose here just because he is obviously the bigger fighter. Um, he's the money machine for the UFC. But in terms of career trajectory from this point out, who has more to lose? Because if Conor loses... There's still a lot of big fights you can make because he's always a draw, right? That Nate Diaz, that Nate Diaz fight is like is like a is like a VIP pass. That fight is always going to make sense, no matter where these two guys are at in their career. Whereas if Dustin Poirier falls short a second time, and this is the best Dustin Poirier, the best version of the Diamond, one that's not young and brash and has Conor McGregor in his head, it might sort of be the peak of his long-term potential um yeah where do you think both these guys go with a loss potentially well here's the thing about uh poirier and and if he if he were to lose this fight there's no title on the line 
So you look at the different matchups for, uh, for Poirier beyond this. If Gaethje ends up becoming champion, Poirier can make an argument that he should mm-hmm. get a shot at, at Gaethje because he's beaten Gaethje. If Hooker somehow becomes the champion, same deal. If Oliveira becomes the champion, Poirier's never faced him. And if, uh, you know, if Conor ends up beating him for a second time and Conor becomes the champion, then you can say, well, Poirier's going to have to wait or he's going to have to really work his way back up. That's, I think, the, the caveat. Whereas with Conor, I mean, if Conor loses the Poirier, he's going to, like you said, continue to get big fights, continue to have tough opponents, continue to, to get the opportunity to work himself up to a, a championship bout. They're not going to give up on Conor because he's lost to Dustin Poirier. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that he'd probably get a rematch at Poirier right away. Because of look at the look at what happened with Nate Diaz, yeah. right? Like if, if Poirier ends up winning over the course of five rounds or ends up stunning him with a choke in the second round or something along those lines, there's still going to be an appetite to see a trilogy fight because it's 1-1 at that point. So I actually do believe that Poirier probably has more to lose. Okay. But it's not by much. Like, Poirier can still bounce back. We've seen him bounce back in the past. And we've, we've seen how good this guy is. Th- that's, the, that's the big difference between the first fight and this fight. Is like the first fight, there was so much hype behind Conor. He was the next big thing. And you have all this pressure of stopping that guy to prove that he's not the next big thing. I'm better than he is. Everybody thinks they're better than the next big thing. We have two established elite fighters right now mm-hmm. where nobody's going to argue that either of them is not elite after a loss. I think that that's where we're at. So I think that both of them can be comfortable in their own skin regardless of the outcome of this fight. Yes, this is, this is chef's kiss matchmaking. I'm so excited for this main card in particular. Aaron, um, I'm going to let you go. I know you got so much on your plate today. Uh, let people know what they can expect from you, from TSN, and the next you know, few days of coverage and beyond, whatever you want. Well, the next few days, uh, now it's starting to slow down. I mean, mm-hmm. you can see me uh, on Periscope with Dan Tom before tomorrow night's event. We do a breakdown. It's mostly focused on the, the betting aspect of things and, uh, and matchups. So uh, you can check that out. Uh, you can just follow me on Twitter, at Aaron Bronstein, or you can see that there. Uh, I'll be on SportsCenter a couple times tomorrow in Canada. So you can, you can check that out. And if you want to watch those videos, I'm, I will be tweeting them out as well. Uh, so really, I mean, and anything that I'm going to be doing will be up on my social media. So feel free to just follow me there. And then next week, I'm hoping to take a couple of days off because this has been a, a long, oh, yeah. long week. Uh, a long, long week. That's actually important to mention. I'll get to it in a second, actually. Uh, did you see the – I saw like an eight-second snippet that Brendan Shaw posted – in which it seemed that Eminem was just going in on Dana White. Yeah. Do we have any more context on that? I was looking for the video, like the full yeah. interview, and I can't find it anymore. No. Basically, the line he said was, and I've watched it like 80 times because I was trying to find the, the entire clip on YouTube. They basically said, like, your opinion doesn't matter because anytime you try to diminish your fighters, you're, you're hurting your own league mm-hmm. or something along those lines, right? Like, that's kind of what it, what it yeah. was. No, that's it. It was I, weird. I wanted to run a clip. story, but I, there just wasn't enough to really go off of there. V uh, Rabbit is back, baby. I love it. rap I love battle it. time. That's so funny to me. Okay, that is all, guys. Uh, just a programming note: I will be taking a vacation from Monday, January twenty fifth, till Thursday, February fourth. So there will be no episode of One Two Punch next Friday. Uh, maybe we'll put up a highlights clip video. Either that, or it'll just be barren. But in terms of content, still your regular release schedule. We'll have videos probably sunday tuesday and thursday next week uh we got another street beats reaction video coming out and a bunch of other goodies um so plenty of video content here the team over at fightful mma will be handling all the news so follow all of them they do great work over there and yeah that's it one final reminder guys if you can please hit subscribe tap the notification bell leave a like on this video uh man we're shooting up very quickly so that's helping so much and 
I gotta thank Aaron Bronstetter for showing me that this is the outro of all outros. For Fightful MMA, I'm Shaquille Madjuri, and stay tuned for everything Fightful and so delightful. Peace out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.